What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, it's Yas here and I'm calling today with a little favour to ask. Over the recent weeks and months, I've had loads of you get in touch with some great questions and today I'm going to be trying something new with the show. I'm trialling a Q&A segment where I'll be joined by co-host and elite coach educator, Gerard Jones. Now these are discussions which are going to be taking place every Sunday evening at 7.30 GMT, live on Twitter space, if you wanted to get involved directly. Otherwise, I'll be releasing them here every Wednesday on the Coaches Network podcast. So for today's format, it's slightly different and for around about 30 minutes, each discussion will be dedicated to a question that has been sent in where myself and Joa will be going into some real depth and sharing our views and opinions on the topic in order to leave you with some key takeaways to consider in your own environments. So the favour I'm asking for today, guys, is if you could let me know your thoughts on the new format and you can do this by getting in touch on Twitter at thecoachesnet. Once again, that is at thecoachesnet. And of course, if you have a question, feel free to send that in too. Hope you enjoy the new format. The Coaches Network, bringing the game together. Hey guys, you're now listening to the Coaches Network podcast, a podcast aimed at anyone who's passionate about athlete, talent and personal development. My name's Coach Yas and I'm a UEFA A-licensed football coach, coach developer and content creator. I'll be sitting down with a range of guests to discuss their journeys, their life lessons and how you can make an impact. Enjoy. Evening, Tony. How's it going, man? Yeah, good, mate. Thanks. Thanks for uh, thanks for giving me the uh, giving me the shout. Nah, the pleasure's all mine. I'm looking forward to this one, man. It should be a good one. Um, Hopefully, Gerald gets well soon. I think he's, 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 really, he's really bad at the moment, apparently. Is he really? Yeah, I think he's he's probably picked up a bunch of germs and whatnot from his kids exchanging nursery germs. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> How are you? Yeah, I'm all good, man. Yeah. 
We'll just give it a couple of minutes to see if we can get some more people in the room and we'll get cracking. Yeah, I've just posted it out on a couple of groups. I'm just posting it to some more Facebook groups now. Awesome, awesome. What about a result for Liverpool, man? Uh, don't do not do that to me. Are you let's, let's steer away from that. <laughs> Listen, I'm in the same boat as you. I'm just not attached to it as much as anymore. No, me neither, to be fair. I, I, I think over the last few years, I've I've gone away from from being so emotionally involved in the clubs that I follow, even the one that I was working for, it, you know, it, it was really difficult at times to 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 get engrossed in it. And I'm I'm the same with the national team. You know, I want them to do well. I want the club sides to do well, but uh, it doesn't keep me awake at night anymore. Well, I'm with you on that one, man. You get to a certain point where you realise there's bigger things to worry about. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I've, you know, I think that today's more disappointing because, as a, you know, as someone who follows United, I don't want to call myself a, a fan or a supporter. I don't know, really know what I should call myself. I just think that they've been on such a good run. From their perspective, there was a lot of really disappointing performances. Uh, but I, do you know what? In some ways, if if you if, again, if you take the emotion out of it, as a Liverpool fan, I'd be perhaps slightly more disappointed because they're only doing it... If you can get yourself up for that game, why are you having so many poor results in other games? 100%. I was discussing this with someone earlier and it was literally like... I was saying Liverpool had a poor run of results. They've had poor performances, but I just I just felt going into this game, they were going, they were going to step up. It, just, it would just be interesting to see what happens next from here, but I'm definitely on board with the idea that Liverpool fans should be disappointed, although they've got a fantastic result today. It's like that... It's like the old Fergie thing, weren't it? When he uh, when he wound Kevin Keegan up that time about, you know, if you can get yourself up for that one match, why can't you get yourself up for all the other ones? That interview was inspirational, man. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I used to watch it on the Premier League years as well. Yeah, I mean, every now and again, it's worth just looking at, just for the sheer joy <laughs> Right. Tony, let's get cracking, and we'll start off with some intros. If you want to start off, yes, indeed. So my name's Tony Me. I have I'm a UEFA licensed coach. I've worked around academy football um, for the last twenty years. I've been had a twenty three year career in the army. Before that, uh, recently uh, stopped working in academy football for for various reasons, some personal, um, some professional. Uh, and now coaching part-time for a private academy and also the author of the book, Through the Thirds. Awesome. Thank you for that, Tony. And guys, just a quick reminder um, for those of you that have been on the show before, but if this is the first time, my name's Yas. Similar to uh, Tony, range of different experiences, a licensed coach. We're currently working as a coach developer for the FA and other organisations as well as hosting the Coaches Network podcast. Tony, we'll dive straight in. Tonight's topic is how should we approach match day team talks? I'm interested to get your views. I'm, I'm sure there's going to be loads of different insights coming through. But just before you get in, into that, guys, I really welcome you guys to get involved in the conversation. Don't just um, sit here and listen. Be, you know, be confident enough, comfortable enough to share your ideas as well because we have experience in the room and we're all here to learn off one another. So, Tony, straight into you, man. What are your thoughts? Well, I think, again, context is key to 
to, to what we're talking about, a lot will depend on the age group that you work with, um, the level that you're playing at, and and really where your focus as a as an individual coach is. Um, it's it's very easy to to become emotional, to become blinkered by the fixture, local derby, etc. I mean, you know, most of us now working in grassroots football, pretty much every game's a local derby. Uh, it's very very rare that you play outside of your own area. So having a sense of perspective is absolutely vital. Most definitely. And I think it's an interesting point you should make straight away around the considerations for age group, um, level of the game potentially might impact it. And obviously the state of the game, I think is something really key to consider. But on that, would you say that despite all those considerations, there's some key maybe fundamentals or a framework of, of which that you might refer to when you actually approach your match day team talks on a general level? Yeah, I think that it a lot of it's going to take take you back to to what are you doing in training. So, if we're working on a process and and training, if you like, is the process, then your your match day focus uh, should really be around what have we worked on. Um, so, if we've worked on obviously example playing out from the back, we go into a game on a Saturday or a Sunday, but every time the keeper gets the ball, he launches it 50, 60 yards up the pitch, then why have we just worked on something else? So can your match day team talk um, refer back to the things that you've worked on in training? So just on that then, and obviously I think I think it's really key what you say, but... Um... Would you say there's some general messages that you want to keep consistent regardless of what was worked on training the week before or, or you always directly linking it to the training sessions? Because for me, especially as we, you know, as the, as, the, as the craft of coaching has developed, as the game has developed, we're starting to see more and more situations where coaches are working together as well. And I think one of the biggest challenges in that is obviously aligning who says what, when they say what, and whether those messages are consistent not just in terms of what's happened in training, but also in, their, in terms of their perspectives as to whether they agree on the points. What are your thoughts on that? Yes, it, do you know what? It's an interesting one because I, I've got to say that for the majority of my coaching career, even working in academy football, I've kind of either, I've, I've either been the lead coach or I've been the only coach. Um, therefore, some of those potentially conflicting messages have very rarely, have very rarely been an issue. Having said that, I've always worked when I have worked with another coach on the principle that we have an agreed set of um, principles, if you like, that that we want the team to play with and to. Um, but whichever one of us has led training that particular week would be the would be the main speaker um which has sometimes been difficult for me in the past i must admit so if i've worked with another coach and he's he's led training that week and i've i've been the second if you like um when it gets to match day it, it's sometimes been a little bit harder for me to to step back and go right what's well, it's your show now you do this if you need me to chip in or you invite me to chip in then 
then I'm more than prepared to do so. But I'm certainly going to make sure that I don't, I, that I don't contradict uh, what it is that he's saying. I, I think it's a great point. So I guess in preparation for that, are you having those types of conversations before match day? And what type of conversation are you potentially having or communication are you having both prior to the team talks themselves, whether that be you know, before the game, during the game, um, in the intervals or even post-game around what the messages are that you're, you're going to be speaking on? Because I think the key thing that you mentioned there a couple of times around lead and potentially insisting coach, if you like, whereas I like to think of it as, yes, there might be some sort of hierarchy in some way, shape or form, but... Can we can we establish ourselves as a co coaching partnership, if you like, rather than having that situation where one of us feels reluctant or on edge to maybe say some stuff that might that might that might influence the players, but actually is not consistent with what the other coach is saying. And obviously, that's just bearing in mind a co part a co coaching partnership, but obviously within individual situations where you're coaching the team by yourself. How much of that are you maybe leaning on for the players to maybe have lead the team talks in, in comparison to how much information you're actually offloading onto them, if that makes sense? Yeah, it absolutely makes sense. Um, for, uh, again, just speaking from a personal perspective, um, I'll give the, you know, I'm, I'm happy to give the players um, the opportunity to be involved either in delivering those messages or in leading, particularly when it comes to half-time. Um, but what what I've often found is that if you've only got, for example, we go out and do our warm-up, let's say, 30 minutes before kickoff, uh, get everything done, come back inside, shirts on, boots tied up, drinks blah, 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 all the usual stuff that goes on. That next little two or three minutes before you go back out um, is really, it, it, it can be gone in, in the blink of an eye. So at that point, if you're going to start asking questions, you've, it, it could start to, to drag out a little bit. It could, um, you know, all of a sudden you haven't got your particular key messages across uh, and the referee's whistle's going or the bell's going to get you back out on the pitch so I just think that it needs to be pretty succinct, pretty to the point um, uh, and we go on from there no, I think it's a great point I mean, I'll just look back at my own experience I think in my earlier days I'll be so keen and eager to give as much information as possible I think where I've kind of veered to now is Right, let me make sure there's one key message potentially in possession, one key message potentially out of possession. And then if there's anything beyond that, it all becomes individual bits. So I don't know I don't know what your approach is to that in terms of whether you think there's a a set number to say, but what do you consider might be too much information at that point? You you mentioned the words there, clear and succinct. How do you know, for a coach listening to this, thinking about right whether they're able to reflect and look back at their own team talks and whatnot. What would you say is some guidance for them to kind of utilise as a framework for whether they are being as clear and succinct as they may maybe want to be or maybe think they should be? Yeah, I think that um, per, from a personal point of view, uh, which you asked, I would, um, 
I would tend to have one point for the defensive unit, one point for the midfield unit, one point for the forward unit, if I think that there's something appropriate. And like you say, there's usually a one in-possession message and one out-of-possession message, which are uh, team-based. Um, and then, literally, the last thing I say, regardless of scoreline um, at half-time, is go out and enjoy it. That the last thing I say before we kick off at the start of the game, the last thing I say before they go out at half-time, and, and to be fair... The players might might pick me up on this, but I'm I'm fairly certain that that's the last thing I always say is go out and enjoy it. Just just on that though, I mean, depending on the context of the, of the game and whatnot, could go out and enjoy it sometimes send the wrong message? Well, um, I guess it could do, you know. It, it, but I guess that a lot of that then would come from. You know, if Tony's telling us to go out and enjoy it, does he mean mess about? My lads uh, tend to know that that isn't what I mean um, because it isn't the kind of behaviour or approach that I would tolerate in training. You know, if they just go out there and start doing their own thing, I want them to enjoy it by by working hard. And again, it's I guess that some of those messages are transmitted to the players within within your day-to-day environment you know whether it's at training uh whether it's in it may be in messages that you send out via whatever uh, comms app that you use um there's a time for fun and there's a time for work there's no reason to say that work can't be enjoyable i 100 percent agree i guess you know the things i'm my mind's very into now is talking about going out and enjoy it talking about clearing succinct how much of your information is how much information is there and you mentioned about communication um, across different platforms whichever those may be how much communication maybe goes out for you during those and is there any at all around stuff that might be leading on and potentially giving another added layer if you like going into the game so then it just becomes a reference point and I mean would you suggest that that's something that maybe you could should do to maybe clarify and make those messages a bit more clear on match day I guess it's something that I haven't really thought in this in, in this depth about. Maybe, I, maybe I should. Um, what I, what I would tend to do is generally seek clarification. Um, one of the th- I've mentioned this before. One of the things that um, that I do, um, and I've always done it working through academies, and I do it now with these um, with the grassroots boys in our private academy. Um, is I send out a whatever formation we're playing I send out a list of roles and responsibilities and I, I regularly quiz them on, on what they are are you reading your roles and responsibilities do you know what your job is um, but uh, you know, I think that other than that on a match day I would I tend to be focused around that specific game that's in front of us at the time Um I haven't worked in an environment, and I think I mentioned this not long ago, just a couple of weeks ago, where you know we don't scout the opposition, so I can't focus on anything other than what we do. You know, we may have played them earlier on in the season, but I'll be honest with you, a lot of the time 
depending when that game was. I probably don't even remember what the result was, but the players do. Um, and I think a lot then depends on on how much store the players set by the result. And I'll just give you a, a, a little example of that. There may be some of the other guys that are that are on the on the thing who uh, who, who play in the JPL. So the, the private academy that I work in play in the JPL, which is kind of well, the original idea I'm sure most of you know was as a kind of a bridge between academy football and grassroots football, where the in theory the better players from lots and lots of grassroots teams who, who generally play against each other. Um, come together to form a, again in theory, in principle, slightly better team to play at, at JPL level. Now, I find that that isn't always the case for, for various reasons. Um, and the player's motivation is sometimes different to mine because I only coach these two age group teams for one club in the JPL on a Saturday morning. On a Sunday morning, these lads go off in their twos and threes, play for their own grassroots clubs and um, and play against each other in, in a lot of cases. So their, their approach to match day itself is significantly different to my approach to match day. But as I've got older, again, I've, I've learned not to lose too much sleep over it. If, if, they, if, if their priority is their Sunday morning team, fine, that's you, you're 14, 15, 12, 13 years old. Um, as things get more serious, you'll you'll become more focused. My, my focus is on the, that one team that I take. So I guess my approach is a little bit different. I think I think you're spot on, though. I think it's re- recognising what's important to the players, too. And, I, and I'm, I'm, now that I think about it while you're speaking, is it's probably not a consideration I've probably met too much importance on in the fact that actually what does the game mean to the players um, I think when I'm approaching match day especially in the team talks I'm trying to be as constructive as possible and I'm, and I'm now thinking to myself I'm, I'm actually questioning myself how constructive can I be if I don't know what the, if, I, if I'm not truly fully if I'm not even got full clarity on what the players want to get out of the game and obviously Yes, they want to win games ultimately, and I do believe that. I also believe they want to enjoy the game because I remember, for, you know, a few weeks back, I had a situation where I gave a player some information, or I gave the team some information, and the players didn't respond well to it. I think there was one or two in particular where they were almost they disagreed with my thoughts, and I think it was a great opportunity for me, and a lot, and a lot, and I'd love to know if you've had any similar experiences where you know you shared some information and. The, they don't agree with it, and how you how you maybe go about doing dealing with that? Because for me, it was almost like, wow, okay. Um, in that in that situation, maybe I just assumed that the players would just take on board my information, but actually, even though I gave them clarity and understanding of what I was looking for, I didn't in that moment really question or, or challenge whether they agreed with it or what their thoughts were on it. How important is it for us to get their thoughts in terms of what we what we share with them as as strategies or support? supporting information, if you like, in, in those team talks as well. Yeah, I think that um, in that situation that, that you just highlighted, the way that you, uh, I guess the way that you frame the information is is quite important. And 
if if a player did come back at you with, you know, well, I, I don't agree with what you're saying, you've then got to decide whether, you know, how you're going to deal with that. Are you going to deal with that in an authoritative manner and say, right, I don't care whether you agree or not. I'm telling you that this is what I want. And if you don't do it, you're going to come and sit by me. Or whether you're going to, you know, if you have got time to to kind of facilitate some sort of short and and to the point discussion where you say to them, look, okay, well, tell me what you think. Yeah, okay, maybe you've got a point. So we'll, we'll, we'll watch out for that. I, you know, I think that that depends on you as a character um, at that particular moment in time. Because if you like, it, it could get out of hand with with the players then jumping everybody jumps on it all of a sudden and they, they challenge the coach's authority um if authority is the right word if um the bottom line for me is is you're the coach you take ultimate responsibility um for the overall performance you've only got to look at um at senior teams and and pro teams and when teams are getting beat beat up week in week out you know they ain't sacking Marcus Rashford. They're sacking Eric Ten Hag, aren't they? It's it's the coach who uh, who ultimately cops it. He, at whatever level, you know, at our level, the number of times I've had busy parents texting me on a on a Saturday afternoon or a Sunday, oh, I don't agree with the formation you're playing, or I don't agree with this, I don't agree with that. You have to have pretty thick skin. You won't survive for very long in a game uh, unless you develop that. Uh, rhino skin. I think it's such a great point that you made there around parents, and you know something that I've kind of I've learned to do over the last couple of years, in particular, is actually try and engage the parents in some in some of the information that we're sharing with the players during match day team talks, just so that they've got a bit of an insight. Because I think what we what we tend to do in a lot of environments, there is a almost a divide and a segregation for the parents where they do feel comfortable in in those situations. Obviously, share messages like the ones you've just described. I think for me. I'm looking at, right, as a framework for me, it's always, right, the first thing I'm looking to do is I've got my information, I know what we've been working on, I know what we want to highlight or I know what I want to highlight as key messages, but actually I'm always asking the players their opinion first. So I'm thinking going into match day team talks in particular, have you had any experiences where you've just let the players lead on that completely and you've just been kind of a passenger in that or an observer in, in that process of making sure that, they've taken into consideration all the things that maybe they should or could in those moments. It, it isn't something that, that I've done um, probably ever in, in that, um, in that respect to say, right, we're going to, we're going to turn up half an hour before the game. We're going to do the warm up, and then there you go. You do the team talk. You know, I, I do see some organisations who let the. I mean, we. I let the. I, I've given the players um, a, a kind of set warm up. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs, so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. 
And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply which I expect them to do and them to lead. And I, I don't get involved in that at all. A couple of the more mature boys usually get a grip of that and, and get everybody going. Um, but I don't think that I've ever said to them, right, you know, there you go. So you pick a team, you do the team talk. I'm, I may be surprised, but I think that I'd rather have that that little bit of control for myself and, and trust my knowledge to give them my knowledge and my experience to give them the information that they need um i may well be wrong listen i'm i'm never i'm old but i'm never too old to learn no i love that and you guys just just while myself and tony are sharing some of our insights it'd be really interesting to get some of your experiences as well whether you guys have any major challenges or opportunities where actually you've had really positive successes off the back of some of your approaches to match their team talks. Um, but Tony, I just want to share one share one of my own, in fact. I had a situation where I'm working with a group of players and on the match day, working alongside another coach, in fact, and the information that he was given, in my opinion, was very, very basic in it. And the emotion that was within that was also was also kind of lacking for me. So I guess for yourself, how often are you actually considering how you how you how you not just articulate the message, but the type of emotion and the type of the tonality and what you're saying within that as well? Because I think that's a massive part to play. Because obviously, you know, the body language is key. The tonality of what you're saying is key. Have you had any situations where you thought, you know, what the information was spot on, but actually, the way in which I presented it because of the you know the lack of uh, the, the volume or the, the the tone that you're using in that moment, it just didn't hit right. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I've never been one to uh, to be shy in coming forward, and I think that I think that the age group that you're working with, well, it, it's probably irrelevant. If I'm, you know, I'm thinking about it now as you've asked me the question and yeah I think that the less emotional you can be the more you can get your point across um, and there's absolutely been times in the past where we've been getting stuffed at half time um, and I've absolutely torn them all a new one uh, because in my opinion what what I've seen 
is unacceptable. I'll give you an example from from this year, and it'll tie into to the thing about the parents that you just mentioned as well. We played a game earlier on in the season against a team who are better than us, but not much better than us. But on the day, we'd gone 2-0 down in the first probably three or four minutes. We were 4-0 down in 10 minutes. And my team just lost all interest, capitulated totally. And I can't even remember what the score was by the time we got to half-time. In Germany, we used to have, when I played out in Germany, they used to have this thing called the mercy rule, where uh, the game wasn't allowed to get to 10-0. Well, we'd have probably managed to make five minutes of the second half before I was screaming mercy. Um, but at half-time... I'd gone, I'd gone bananas. It didn't make them play any better. It didn't make the other team play any worse. Um, and at the end of the game, did the, the, I did the post-match team talk, which is something that I don't often do, in front of the parents. Um, and I managed to keep my cool and, and not use any bad language. Uh, but I made the, but I made the players aware of their responsibility, not only to themselves, the team and the game, but to their parents who are paying good money for their kids to be coached, for, uh, who transport them all around, you know, Yorkshire and further afield, who who fund their love of the game. Um, and one or two parents, it, it was weird because one or two parents complained. One of them, complained who actually wasn't there so he didn't get the full context of the conversation but I also had a couple of parents contact me and say we think you were absolutely spot on you know they were as embarrassed uh, as I was and the game I think the game finished up sort of 15 16 nil when I asked the ref what the score was at the end of the game he didn't even know um, they'd scored that many goals Yeah, I'm just thinking about the situation. I'm trying to visualise exactly what you just said. And I think to myself, I don't think it's a bad shout because I think if the parents have parents who are on board with it, then that's great. But I think the one thing that might, that only kind of just sit, you know sits at the back of my mind there is, depending on how much understanding and knowledge of the game maybe the parents have and what their experiences are, could that could that be to the detriment of the players? Because you hear about you know hear about all the times of parents who are having these conversations with players on the way home and it's not that constructive, it's not that productive. I mean, I was, I was coaching um, a team yesterday, actually, and they got, they, they, they you know, they, they lost the game quite badly. I don't think they played badly at all and I don't think their score was a fair reflection of the game at all in any way, shape or form. But one of the girls in particular on the team was, she. the only thing that she was concerned about is the journey home and what that looks like for her with her, you know, I'm, I'm assuming her father in this case. Um, so you know what 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 are some of the kind of maybe safeguarding or considerations that you might need to make in terms of when you're having those conversations in front of parents? Do you go all out? Are you 100 percent brutally honest with them? Is it is there any consideration for that? I love the term brutally honest. I uh, I think that you have to be brutally honest. I think that you you know there's that there's a great cartoon that's that's been doing the rounds about um, getting in queues. And one of the queues is um, sort of 
honest truths and the other one is um, sort of conversations which make you feel, I can't remember the headlines now, but conversations which make you feel good. I think that, I think you have to tell people the truth. And if the truth hurts, then, then, you know, there, there's definitely a way of delivering that message, you know, without going over the top and certainly singling people out. But when, in that case that I was referring to there, when you've got a, when you've got a group that just have totally thrown in the towel and gone through the motions for 80 minutes on a freezing cold, wet day on the outskirts of Leeds, then I don't see anything wrong with, with, with having that conversation. And if they, if they get in the car with their parents, like you say, on the drive home and the parents are going, Oh, I think he was a bit harsh on you there. I thought you played really well. Well, hang on a minute. You've just been in a team that's got beat 16 nil. We've had barely a shot on goal. There's not a single one of you that's played well. The best player on the game was our goalkeeper. As bad as that sounds. And I told him that in front of all the parents. If it hadn't been it for him, and you know, we'd have we'd have got beat by more. Um and their to be fair, their attitude was really good. When they came back to training on the Tuesday night, everybody was there, everybody worked hard, and the second time we played them later on in the season we still got beat but the result was much closer and we were more competitive and I think that part of that increased competitiveness was because of the rollicking that I'd given them the first time round I think it's really interesting because I mean one of my experiences most recently as well where I'm generally quite calm with the players and generally relaxed um, brutally honest as you as you would put it um set my standards quite high and I don't let them get away with thinking that the the basics are something that should be praised, if that makes sense. And on this particular game, I noticed that the group of players, well, not even, not even just on this game in particular, but they'd almost gone into the game with the mindset of, we're going to get beat, we're going to get absolutely smashed. And that kind of just set the tone for how they played going forward. And it kind of then seeps into the lack of cohesion, the disruption and maybe the the kind of, if you like, damage the team chemistry in a way that they weren't supportive for one another. And I was similar to what you've described, but absolutely went in on them. And since then, I've seen such a transformation. So, I mean, I guess the question I've got for you more specifically is what are you... When you're when you're approaching these situations, especially you know on a match day, what are some of the considerations you're making as to whether or not you should switch off your approach? Um, and I've also I'm also the believer of sometimes we can't actually explain it, but we just understand it's the right thing to do in that moment because it just feels right. But are there are there some real considerations you're making from that perspective in terms of when to actually step in and go in on them in that respect, or when when maybe you should take your foot off the gas? And you mentioned that you don't usually do match day de- debrief or you don't really do anything after the game too much. What What's the reason behind that? Oh, so, um, right, so I didn't... If I've given you that impression, then that was unintentional. I, I'll always do a, a post-match debrief, Um of some description, usually on the side of the pitch or in the changing room if we've got changing rooms. Um, but I think that, again, going back to how how seriously 
the players take the game or not. So I'll give you going back to that one game there where we got double figured. Um, within thirty seconds of the final whistle, two of the lads were laughing and joking, um, and that kind of thing has never sat well with me. I think that okay, it might not hurt you. You've got another game tomorrow, but be a little bit more respectful for those um, that it does hurt. So we will we will always do some kind of, even if it's only three or four minutes, some kind of uh, conversation post-match um, about how the game went. Did we do what we set out to do, which was win the game? No, we didn't. Did we stick to our processes? Did we try and play closer together, play out from the back, get crosses in? You know, whatever that particular um, challenge, if you like, that, that we'd set ourselves um, on the day. But I do try not to, uh, and, and I'm fairly certain that I will praise, our goalkeeper's been brilliant this year f- for us. When, when we've been under a lot of pressure, he's, he's done great. So I'll, I'll, I'll praise him in front of the rest of the team. And, you know, they're not stupid. They appreciate the, the good game that he's had. Um, but I won't, I won't go in on players now. I did when I worked in in senior football a little bit. If I thought a player needed digging out in front of his mates, then I would do it. But I'm working with kids and not all kids uh, respond to that very well. Um, it's not. It, it's very rarely productive um, if you go in on people um, and single them out. So... I'd rather I'd rather criticise, for example, if I'm, if we're talking about defending, I'll criticise our defending as a team rather than criticise the defenders or a particular defender. It would be the um, the the unit. It would be the team that hasn't defended properly, rather than right you, the two centre backs. You've been awful all game. No, definitely. Just on that though, actually, before I get to that, guys, if you've got any questions, obviously, throw myself and Tony, please feel free to jump in and let us know that as well. But Tony, on there, you mentioned that you might have a situation where you go in on a play in front of everyone else. How do you decide that that's something that needs to be done as opposed to this player needs to be taken aside? I think that as as a coach, um, you'll know which players would be receptive. Is probably the, the the wrong word, but which players would be able to do that? That you'd be able to do that with, and and whether it was deserved or not. If you know if they deserve to be singled out, you know. Um, I'm trying to think of a good example. So we had a player. Yeah, we had a player who weren't having a particularly good game. Um, lost the ball a couple of times in midfield. A couple of little niggly tackles that he put in because he'd lost the ball. Um, and then he went one step further, uh, kid nicked the ball off him, and he's just absolutely two-footed in from behind. So he gets himself sent off, puts the rest of the team under added pressure for the rest of the game. You know, And without being too directly personal to him, pointed out the error of his ways in front of his teammates. You know, 
it's a stupid thing to do. You've let your mates down. They've had to play the rest of the game with with 10 men. Um, Now, I knew that he was capable of taking that amount of criticism. And he's then uh, apologised to me and apologised to his teammates. Now, it doesn't get us the three points back or the, you know, it doesn't get us back the extra man on the pitch. But I I think that there are one or two other players, particularly in the group that I'm working with now, who wouldn't take that. And, And I'm more likely then to want to have a conversation with them and their parents. Two things pop out for me there while you're speaking. First of all, I think to highlight on that type of conversation, when you know when a player comes back and apologises, I think sometimes that could do more good than harm in the sense that after that apology comes, I think it almost becomes a newfound level of respect and um, appreciation for the coach and the teammates. And I think they become more receptive to taking more board information. I don't know if, if you've had the, so the same or perception or same experiences in that respect. And the second thing is, do you ever look at the situation and think, right, there's some information I can give them here, but they might need to hear it from a different voice. I mean, something that I tried on Saturday with one of the players, is I kept on giving the player the same information. I tried in different ways. And for, for one reason or another, they just weren't responding to it. Um, they had an idea of what I, what I was looking for, what I was suggesting to them, because they could explain it back to me. They, they understood the rationale behind it as well. But something I tried was actually, while what was happening on the pitch, uh, whilst I made the observation, there was a player alongside me who all, also made the same observation. I actually didn't challenge that player to actually, well, maybe that player could give the information rather than me. Have you ever tried something like that? And what are your thoughts on that? Uh, it's not something that I've used as a deliberate ploy, but what I have noticed, particularly um, working with the academy players and, and the older age group that I've got now, is that that sometimes happens organically. That there are leaders within the group who will hear what I'm saying and recognise that certain people uh, might not be doing that and 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 then they'll pick up on it and they'll you know that that the sort of the natural leaders within the group are more likely to deliver that information now again whether whether the players actually respond and react to that is is down to their maturity what they think about the person the the person who's delivering the message um so yeah it, it's a hundred percent a a worthwhile uh, tactic, a worthwhile strategy. Awesome, Tone. I'm con- I'm conscious that you know we've we've had a lot of conversation around this topic already, and we you know we've, we've delved into some of your insights and some of my thoughts as well. Um, guys, just a, a final note: if there's anyone that's got any questions, obviously you can feel free to throw them to myself and Tony. Otherwise. I think we might look to round it up, Tone. I don't know if you've got any lasting thoughts to leave anyone with. Yeah, I mean, hopefully somebody's going to chip in and, uh, and 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 throw something at us. But if not, all I would say is that you you really need to to know your players. You really should try and 
maybe have a structure for it. Um, we've talked about, um, I know that Dan Abrams, the, the sports psychologist who I follow on Twitter, talks a lot about uh, match day scripts. Um, I'm not one for having sort of pre-programmed ideas, but I do like to keep things, as I said right at the start, um, relevant to what we've been working on. We, you know, winning uh, is not a dirty word in our academy, um, and therefore we would like to win, but we also would like to recognise uh, the process that that takes us in that direction. A hundred percent, and I think just the final one for me, more than anything, is that, like you said, Tony, we've got we've got to know your players, we've got to understand what they want from the situation in terms of match day and where they're at in their journeys. I think approaching each match day as an individual situation is is fine, but in the context of what's happened prior to that, is also something key to consider. I think um, for me, consideration around co-coaches. If you're working with another coach, what are your roles and responsibilities within that process? Are you guys clear on what that communication looks like? And I think something that really stood out for me in the re- in the last few days as I've been working with a few different coaches across different clubs is just how important it is to check in with one another as co-coaches on the match day, making sure that your, your observations are aligned, even if you have different roles and responsibilities in terms of who's delivering what, whether that's an in-possession to out-possession thing, whether that's one person leading on a team and collective team talk, if you like, or team information. But also, you know, in in another case where you've got one coach who's maybe working with the individuals, just because that's the role and responsibility you've got doesn't mean you still can't engage and share information and communicate whether actually you guys are aligned on the information that's been landed to the players. And I think a final one is probably if you are in a situation where you're coaching by yourself, sometimes it might actually just be worth getting the players' perspectives on a match day. Because actually they might they might provoke and th- um, provide some thought around ideas that you might not have considered yet. It might be the way in which they articulate their information or their perceptions of what it is that you're trying to say. So I think just seek clarif- clarification on on the clarity on, and the understanding of the players around the messages that you're given. I think sometimes we can be in danger of being so engrossed and so tied up in what's going on within the game at times that we that we forget or maybe oversight on actually checking whether they've understood the message clearly. And please do not use the answer, the question, do you understand or does that make sense? Get them to explain it back to you. Get them to show you, give them examples, put them in a micro practice. Get them to use cones to demonstrate what you, what they think you're, you're talking about just so that they've got a clear understanding of what it is. They're able to demonstrate it, but you've also got clarity that your messages have landed appropriately. Um, and that's that's it for me, Tone. Tone, I don't know if you want to just give it... Um, a quick heads up around where people can get in touch with you and obviously let them know a little bit more about your book as well. Yeah. Uh, just before that, um, one of the guys on the, on the Twitter spaces has sent me a couple of DMS and um, the, 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 the key is to what, to what you said uh, is absolutely spot on. I, I won't identify you because you didn't identify yourself. So I guess you want to stay anonymous. It's not a problem. Um, about playing with a smile on your face. I think it's absolutely right that we want the players to enjoy the game, but enjoyment and, and hard work aren't, ex, um, aren't exclusive. They can, uh, they can go hand in hand. And the other thing that, that was mentioned was about, um, about the level that, that you, 
not sorry, not the level, but the age group that you're working with. So I think that the the match day team talk, yeah, nice one, Matt. Uh, the the match day team talk um, is going to probably be significantly different between those that are playing the eleven aside game um, and those that are playing five v five, seven v seven, and nine v nine, uh, and we shouldn't lose sight of that. Um, so just a little big up myself as they say um my book through the thirds uh, is available on amazon uh, if anybody hasn't already bought it and uh, all all profits go to the huntington's disease association they do not make me a rich man in any way shape or form uh, if you follow me on twitter i will try and follow you back it's something that i've been absolutely appalling at over the years um but i have tried to follow uh back pretty much everybody who follows me on uh, on these twitter spaces uh and if i haven't followed you i will follow you back if you want me to follow you please send me a message my dms are always open i will never turn my back on the coaching community um I think I've only had to block one person um, in twenty, uh, whatever, twelve or thirteen years of uh, of being on Twitter. But he was just being a bit of an ass. Um, so I'm here if if needed. I will always get back to you. It may take me a little bit of time, uh, but feel free to to hit me up if if you want to talk about anything. Amazing guys, definitely make sure you're following Tony. Um, obviously, Gerard, condolences. Um, you're not here with us today, but you'll be back hopefully next week. Um, guys, make sure you're following me. And obviously, guys, you know, if you tune into the Coaches Network podcast, range of different um, guest speakers, um, fantastic content on there as well. And we will be back next week. So, guys, make sure you're following me. Make sure you're following Tony. And we will be back next week with another topic for you guys. And obviously, if you've got any questions or any topics that you'd like to hear discussed in particular, please do get in touch. Um, we've got a few upcoming webinars between myself and Gerard over the next few months as well. So keep an eye out for those. And until next week, guys, have a great weekend, great evening, and a great rest of the week. There you have it, guys. Another episode of the Coaches Network podcast, where our aim is to bring the world of athlete, talent, and personal development together to just one platform. And you can help us with that mission right now by sharing this episode or any of your favorite episodes with everyone that you can think of. You can tag us in those mentions as well on Instagram at the Coaches Network or on Twitter at the Coaches Net. We look forward to hearing from you. Let us know what you thought about today's episode. And until next time, guys, take care.